Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Not Another Liberty Podcast. I am your host, Lincoln Anderson, and today we've got a real treat for you. I had the chance to sit down with Mark Clare, the great Mark Clare, from Lions of Liberty. He and I break down this business with Disney releasing Gina Carano. He and I both had a similar experience regarding some content creators that we listen to in our regular lives. And we examine how the egregore that is the cathedral affects the narrative, not just in political media, but in popular media as well. It's a great conversation, a bit PG-13, just in terms of some of the language that we use. So just be aware if you have kids in the car or anything like that. But don't let that scare you off because this is a fantastic conversation. And I think this will be a great episode for anybody looking at how narratives are pushed by the cathedral in the culture. So with that being said, let's get into my conversation with Mark. Okay, Mark, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Big fan, so I'm really excited to have a chat with you. We were talking over Twitter. You were mentioning about the whole business with Gina Carano. And I figured, well, if you want to talk about Star Wars and that type of related content, then this is the perfect place to have that type of discussion. So I can talk about. I'm all pretty these much things. gonna let you go here. As we mentioned before the show, I haven't had time to prepare anything, so I'm just gonna let you riff. You wrote a great article about just this. Wind me so up. I'll let you go. Wind me up and let her loose. So yeah, I mean, my take on the Gina Carano thing, from my perspective, at least in the article that I wrote on my Substack, which y'all can find at markclare.substack.com, it's not even as much, my focus anyway, is not even as much on Gina Carano or the fact that she was fired, as much as it is about the way people talk about it. Because the way people talk about it is, to me, very indicative of the fact that there are, are narratives in our culture, narratives in our country, or so it was yeah. relevant to that. So that, that's the only reason they mentioned it. Not They didn't mention it to be political, so that's why I'm not going to you know try to make them political. But the way they reported on it, it just really struck me as like, wait, because I, I haven't even read the comments at this point. I hadn't even read any of the social media. Part of me assumed, oh, maybe it was kind of offensive or something. Uh, and then I went and actually read it, and what I saw that it was was so disconnected from the way, just the way that it was being talked about by other people out there, by the way it was being reported by these other hosts of this show that I love, that I am a patron of. And it just, it just really struck me so much how quickly a narrative can take hold that is so devoid from the actual reality of the situation. Now I, I could spend all day now talking about whether Disney has the right to fire her. And that's like a conversation. I don't care about that part of the conversation really at all. Um, I don't even care that much. I, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the Mandalorian. Like, I don't even care that much that she's not going to be on the show anymore. Like, I, I thought her character was kind of cool, but it, it wasn't part of the show that compelled me in any way. Really, it was a cool character yeah. that I could I could take or leave. So I'm not I'm not sad, and I'm not going to boycott the Mandalorian because she's not going to be on it or anything like that. I enjoy the show, and I'm not you know I'm not so political that I'm going to refuse to watch a show that I love and uh, other shows on Disney because they fired her. That's that's not where I, the direction I'm going to go. Maybe there is a point where I would, but I, I'm not there. I don't really care that she's fired that much. Uh, I, I, mean, I care for the person. I, I think she sh- shouldn't have been fired in sort of a, uh, not in a right sense, but in a, 
and that's just dumb sense. Like, well, that's a dumb thing to fire somebody for. But yes, they have the right to fire her. And you can make the argument that I've seen that she chose to be political. She chose to make comments, even if you, I don't think the comments are anything like they're be, being portrayed. And by choosing to step into the political arena, especially knowing the environment that, that we live in, um, she should be aware that that was possible. And she probably was aware that that was possible. Of course she was, because there were literal campaigns all over Twitter for weeks and months to fire her. This is not new. This is something that is yeah. building up. That's important to note that this didn't come out of the blue. Right. It didn't come out of nowhere. And I think it started with the dumbest shit. I can curse on this show, right? Um, yeah, it's fine. I'll write if I just, I haven't actually decided whether the show is. Uh, yeah, I was like that for a while too. Yeah, and eventually it, I realized I like cursing sometimes. So I just, yeah, I'll just and don't like it with adult content tag. The other yeah. ones haven't been, but I haven't set a rule against it. Right, well, so I'll try not go to go too it. crazy in case you change your mind. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I, the, the fact that she is fired is one thing. It's just, it's it's more so like if she was just working on the staff of a Disney show, she probably wouldn't be fired for tweeting the same things. Uh, I don't I think it's a dumb thing to fire her, but I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily like corporate Disney, like trying to impose their will. on. I think it's really just corporate Disney not wanting to deal with these hashtags and these fire campaigns. And I'm not sure they even have a stance or the, on the corporate level. I think it's this character and this actress is more to deal with than she's worth having. I think that's what it comes down to. And I don't think that's right or smart or or correct but uh, it's not morally wrong i mean really and uh, it's it's the the dumb thing i see are libertarians or people out there that are just saying the same old well it's a private company oh, okay it's, who cares yeah yeah it's a private company she, they have the right to fire her yeah we we all know that yeah the um, old it's a private company argument yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, and, and th that's a really tired argument at this point in the at, game. at this point it's hard to call any any corporation anyway a private company i mean that that is the fact in america it's, yeah specifically uh disney you know working yeah, hand in hand course. with you know the chinese government oh yeah there. i mean oh yeah we can go down the, so many different rabbit holes yeah, there's, the, there's the, a the lot of rabbit holes to the, go the hypocrisy in. the hypocrisy rabbit hole is huge of course because uh pedro pascal and i believe one of the other actors or producers have, have posted stuff that was like so obviously like that was actually comparing people to nazis and calling yeah them that nazis. was a tweet from pedro pascal that yeah. i remember seeing that showed what it was it, it just showed like what was it like people get it it showed like kids being like put in a wood chipper or something like something weird like that or uh i don't remember exactly else. what it was whatever but, it was it yeah. was way worse than anything gina carano poster said it was actually basically like advocating like oh this should happen to trump supporters because they're you know it was actually refer it was relating trump supporters to nazis so that was actually was calling yeah. someone a nazi for their political views uh that is not what gina carano was doing but it's how it was reported and that's that's the part that i focus on and what i wrote over on substack is that it was clear to me that either the people that were reporting on this had not even read the comments or maybe more so did not even understand them and didn't care to because all I know is this. This is the narrative that had been put out and the narratives are so easily and quickly accepted. The narrative they put out was that Gina Carano tweeted offensive comments about Jews and about the, and the Holocaust comparing like, like her own political views to the persecution of Jews. Uh, that's not yeah. really what she was doing, like, at all. I actually want to get into that really quick here, because mm -hmm. I have a similar experience to you. Uh, there are two different sources that I listened to that talked about the situation. One was a uh, movie and, you know, entertainment podcast that I generally listen to to keep up on what's going on with uh, comic book movies and, and things like that. So, obviously, they talked about this. And another uh, source on YouTube, which had post up Star Wars content because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Both of them 
made comments about the Gina Carano thing because it's it's a pretty big deal in the Star Wars universe and in yeah. the general nerddom, right? Right. And what struck me as interesting about how they presented it was this: is that from both sources, they both said it's te- number one, it's terrible that politics gets involved with entertainment. That's the first thing they prefaced it with. The second thing that they did was say that her comments were obviously reprehensible. And they both use Mm -hmm. the term reprehensible, which was interesting that they both use the same fairly big word. It's a common word, but it's it's Uh a specific word. And then thirdly, neither of them actually showed what the comment was. And in fact, they specified that now, this was so offensive that I'm not even going to show you what it actually was. <laughs> right. And that is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Where when the narrative takes hold, if the average person takes a look at it for actually what it is, they're forced to consider whether or not it's as reprehensible as it actually was. Right. So instead, right. people just avoid the content altogether. And they assume that as it was reported by these non-political people, these news people, they're just telling you the news. Well, of course, she must have said something terrible. Exactly. And that that's exactly it. And a lot of people won't even check to see what was actually said in the original post. Uh, and that's what I find so fascinating, just how when the narrative is pushed, it's uniform. And it's not like the people that I was listening to on these podcasts were tied to the cathedral in any way no no no. but they just because they are um under the influence of the cathedral right they're they're they attend mass they they are completely in line with what the narrative is and that's what just struck me just dumbfounded it's because here you have a specific narrative, and it's exactly the same coming out of their mouths as you saw in any of the articles written about her. And that's what was so fascinating. Yeah, the and uniformity. A, right. This is a point that I kind of got into on Twitter um, the other day with some people. And so I'll use this platform as a place to, to make that point uh, when you mentioned like they're not associated with the cathedral in any way. And that's something that I, I really want to get into because I think many people confuse the concept of the cathedral. Like I saw today someone had posted one of those uh, compilation videos that showed, uh, you know, all these different newscasters all reading like the same script basically. And, you know, mm-hmm. all from different affiliates. And they said, you know, oh, this is an example of the cathedral at work. And I, I kind of butted in like this really isn't what the cathedral is at all. Actually, yeah. actually what this is isn't even really the deep state. What this is 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 just kind of how corporate news works and I it's 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 yes they're all saying the same thing they're all different affiliates the same script but that's because they are all owned by the same broadcasting group and a lot of people don't understand the same broadcasting group can own stations that have affiliates with various different networks so the same group like sinclair can own fox 15 abc 12 nbc 3 and then they put out these kind of mass produced reports these mass scripts they send them out to all their affiliates and they read them and that's kind of just news business it's really not that's really not an, an example of really the, the cathedral or the deep state. But I, I want to make a distinction there because, like like you said, when you said they're not part of the cathedral, I think what a lot of people get confused, they think that the cathedral is kind of the, this series of – is these structures is these actual um these actual organizations like like that it's actually the lobbyists that it's actually um you know the the politicians that's actually the companies that shift and control the narratives 
there's a relation to these things. These things all exist, uh, but the the I would say that the deep state is more like the actual physical organizations that that control our government. And the deep state again is the deep state is not Donald Trump's enemies in the government that are holdovers from the Obama administration. Yeah. That's just like the cartoony uh, QAnon version of the deep state. What the deep state really is is it's really just the the interconnected groups that uh, that benefit by using the government and they sort of collectively in a in a groupist in a in a in a collectivist statist way i guess they they collectively sort of run the government from behind because the lobbyists and and the the sort of the permanent bureaucrats they steer a lot more of the government than the politicians that sort of rotate in and out and, and they're just yeah. kind of part of the machine so the politicians go in and out but the the deep state is kind of what what is there in the background all the time but that is different from the concept of the cathedral. The concept right. of the cathedral is not these groups of people that steer things. The concept of the, of the cathedral is more like these. this is the collective pervasive narratives that are put out there. And in some ways, like, yes, it is insidious. There is There are insidious motives behind it. But in many ways, it's more an example of group think and, and group, like, mass psychology than anything else. It's it's the repetition. It's it's one you hear from a few different news sources and, you know, that, that this is the way, so to speak. That yeah. This is, this <laughs> yes. is what we're going to say. And then it just trickles down. But it's, it's more because of everyone's belief in these institutions and the beliefs that when narratives are brought to them, they are true and they are correct and there's nothing to question here. So, of course, we're just reporting the news that Gina Carano said something offensive. We're not giving our opinions. And I, I don't want to act like it's, it's all organic and by accident because I, I think there are people that intentionally push certain narratives. And maybe I'm being a little quibbly here, but to me, the, 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 the cathedral is not any kind of people. It's not any organization. It's, it's just a representation. It's a metaphor for the collective narrative that, that pervades our entire culture. Yeah. Whereas, to me, the deep state more does actually describe the actual organizations and the lobbyists and et cetera that are actually are controlling the government and steering it in some way. And of course, there's a relation to these things, a huge relation, but they're not the same thing, uh, at least to me. I 100% agree. In fact, I would even take it a step further. Are you familiar at all, Mark, with the concept of egregore? Explain it to me like I'm five. Okay. I feel like I've heard of it before, but I don't want to speak like I Okay, like I really so an egregore is, in the simplest terms, an idea or a, a movement, a, a mimetic that comes okay. to life and mm -hmm. embodies a, uh, a will of its own, so to okay. speak. Yeah. There's a lot of different interpretations of egregore, ranging from forces of darkness controlling it to just groupthink causing society to move in a certain direction. But I would, personally, I think that the cathedral is a perfect example of what an egregore is and just how much power an idea or a concept can have behind it and how it can manipulate people without any person pulling the strings, a way of thinking can influence millions of people without... You don't need somebody in the deep state to control the egregore. It's the egregore that is controlling the deep state. And the yeah. influence of the deep state, the influence of these other institutions, like media institutions, etc., etc., they aren't getting direct orders to act a certain way or say certain right. things. But because this egregore is driving things in a certain direction, it turns out all sounding pretty much the same by the end of it.
I, I think that that summed it up perfectly. I might start using this egregore thing now that that you put it that way, because that 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 explains it exactly exactly right. Yeah. If if anything, this sort of mimetic narrative really drives the deep state, and yeah. and I think when we see all these phrases repeated, like you can see it everywhere. You know, you can see it when the same companies put out the same emails that all mentioned the insurrection and the thing on the Capitol, and it's in the same language and the rule of law, and you see it coming from Nike and like any organization. These all these interconnected. It's not like they all got a phone call when a guy in a smoky room uh, that said, all right, here's what you're going to do. That's not what happened. That never happened. Yeah. But what happened is the egregore, as you as you put it, kind of this is what was created. And this is what kind of pervades through many of these deep state filters, but many that aren't. Like it's like I said, these podcasts that we heard this stuff on, these guys are not connected to like the deep state or, the, or these organizations or anything. They're just, you know, influenced by the egregore like so many other people are. I love this egregore thing. I'm going to really arm myself up with more knowledge about that word and that dig into it there's, I'm some, going there's to. some there's some good people have talked about it i know um my go-to for a lot of these types of things is uh dexter la paz um yep, yep. from the uh timeline earth and gaslight hour pause and i talked about that a couple episodes ago we mentioned it briefly when we were talking about the satanic panic. i think that's actually probably who i've heard that phrase from before now quite I, possibly now that I, think about it, I can picture pause. his voice um, <laughs> i think he talked pause was on an episode with uh with pete quinones a while i gosh i said that like such a white person uh <laughs> i'm southern californian Indeed. i should i should say it appropriately as but... the as the husband of a mexican woman i can say yes he said that like a very white person yeah i was i'm usually better than that but uh i listen to scott horton pronounce it too much now it's now it's driven into my brain <laughs> anyway i it's he just had an quinoa. episode on with quinoa Pete. is fine yeah <laughs> yeah peter quinoa mance raider i'll tell you what i um yeah just stick with mance it's easier exactly anyway rip pete's uh main twitter account uh, I completely derailed that, but what I was going with it was that I, he did an episode with Pete, Paz did, which I think goes into that, and they do have an episode on the Gaslight Hour uh, for listeners interested in discussing and learning more about Egregore. Checking out those places would be great, and there's plenty of online resources that explain the concept way better than I possibly could. And of course, there's the, a couple episodes ago where I talk about it. Listeners can go listen to some of it when we talk about the Satanic Panic. Just mm-hmm. self-plug there. And I'm going to check pause. that one out myself. Uh, so you've show. already got one new listener today because I want to go hear that conversation Perfect. myself. Um, yeah. I, I want to make sure we don't do what we're both complaining that the hosts on those podcasts did. I want to actually read, uh, since I have it in my column here, not only Gina Carano's thing, but I actually want to read what the guys on my podcast said, so I'm not just paraphrasing them either. Oh, perfect. Not... I was already planning to read Gina Carano's comments, but I'd much cool. rather have you read it. That'd be great. Cool. Well, I'm going to first read exactly word for word what one of the hosts on the show said. And again, I like these guys a lot. Like, I've met these guys in person, uh, mm-hmm. actually, and and, that, and they're I think they're great guys. But And this is why like it's so hard, because politics has pervaded everything. Yes. The hardest part about listening to their show over the past year has been when they talk about coronavirus, and then they, did, they repeat the narratives, and there's just no questioning of it. I always just skip through parts of that yeah, when I listen to that's what podcasts that are not from our sphere. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I try not to hold it against them too much because in, some, in yeah. many ways I see them as victims. They're just like I most, most people I know. They're just buying the narrative because that's the narrative and that's the narrative. And of course right. the narrative is true because why else would it be the narrative? So yeah, I, I don't. I try not to blame them. But that being said, it's, it can be very difficult to listen to sometimes. I mean, there's times I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Really, guys? Um, but yeah, they, they unquestionably have basically just repeated all the COVID narratives. And then anyone who, anyone in this industry or this area, for example, like when Dana White has come out 
out many times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they make him out to be the biggest supervillain you can imagine for trying to do all these shows. Meanwhile, who has gotten sick in, in UFC? Like, no, I don't nobody. think they, they've had nobody some positive. I, t- I don't think anybody has been sick. They have like a spotless record, like a, re- a record better than the NFL, better than MLB. Like not I, I'm not a one that I know of. I think yeah. they, they might have had some positive tests. And I'm not don't quote me. Maybe there was one. But the point is, they've had a relatively completely safe uh, enterprise this whole time. And Dana White was right the whole time that they should have been kept going on. So, yeah, of course, you know, but they treat him like a supervillain, like an idiot to this day. To well, they this already day. they already hate. Well, I, the cathedral, so to speak. Well, sure. <laughs> tends to dislike Dana White to begin mm-hmm. with. But yeah, go ahead and, and get into what they said, because I'm really curious. Yeah. So what they said, the, the one quote they started to talk about, they report on the firing about her comments. And then well, one of the hosts said that it really just this is what really got me. He said, I don't think we have to share our thoughts on this. You know, like it's so obvious, like, you know, obviously these are horrible comments. By the way, he never read them. He said, well, I'm not going to read these comments. You should never, ever, 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 and I put, this is a quote, I, This is, that's the exact number of evers, compare anything to the Holocaust. That is probably a good rule to live your life by. I almost had to unsubscribe at this moment, and I, I had to stop myself. I was like, no, don't don't you be the one to make this political. But it was just such, it's such an ignorant statement. Even if her comments were horrible, it's an ignorant statement. Like, it's a really dumb statement. Yeah. You can't compare anything to the Holocaust? Why? Why? I, and I agree. Holocaust, Nazi comparisons are obviously way overblown in our society. Um, I don't think there's any moral, obvious issue with comparing anything to anything. If the comparison yeah. is appropriate, then the comparison's appropriate. And there are times when a comparison is appropriate. And frankly, Gina Carano's comparison is fairly appropriate. So did you want to me? And, and they also went into they, they multiple times called the comments to Disgusting, uh, yeah. disgusting, and horrible were the words they use. So yeah, I heard I, I heard the word disgusting mm-hmm. used, uh, and I also heard the statement obviously not going to talk about it. Yep, used obviously, yeah. One of the All other the places words. I was listening to. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how it's because that's what they heard and that's exactly. what they repeat. And I'm, I have no idea whether they looked at the comments or not. I, I, I got to think either they didn't because how could they actually think it's as bad as they say? Or yeah. they so buy this narrative that they they actually view it in the same way that, that – you know. Or it could just as easily be them parroting the narrative so as not right. to receive backlash from right. their I mean, community. I mean I presume these guys aren't putting much thought into it. That, that's what I'm going to presume. I don't think they are thinking deeply about you know what their community is going to think about them. I think they're honestly – Saying it the way they think they see it. I just say, but anyway, yeah. Would you want to go ahead and actually read Gina Carano's statement, or do you want me, do you want me to? Uh, go no, go ahead. So, so keep this in mind. At this point that I'm hearing them talk about this, I still haven't seen her comments. So in my mind, I'm still thinking, oh, she probably did say something dumb, you know, like maybe, like okay. So, and it was actually a couple of days before I went and looked. Like I didn't even put much thought into it. I was like, oh, this actress got fired. Oh well, I kind of liked her character. Don't care that much. Yeah. I wasn't th- thinking about it, but it started to grind on me. And it's it's only when I looked at the comments that I really got inspired to go back and write this. Because then I was like, oh, it really struck me. Like oh, like. No, they were just saying what they heard and and think that it's true, and they might even believe it when they saw it. But they're just regurgitating. They're just regurgitating, and it, like it couldn't be further from the truth. So this was posted along with like I'm not even sure if it was her words or if she was sharing the words from someone else. I, I think it might have been a combo. I'm not really sure. But it came with a picture of like you know Jews being beaten in the street or something. Maybe the picture wasn't necessary. I don't know. But whatever. It's a picture. It's a real picture. Um, she said Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political beliefs? And I think it's the last line that maybe got her, quote unquote, in trouble. Yeah. Because 
people just took that as you're a Republican, which we know she's never said that, by the way. They just assumed that because she didn't want to put pronouns in her bio. Uh, well, that and the fact that she's been largely against masking and, and right. lockdowns. Which means she must be a Republican. And maybe right. she is. I have no freaking idea. I don't no, care. No clue. I mean, yeah. she is going to do something with Ben Shapiro, so. Yeah, I mean, she probably is. Okay, she <laughs> probably is a Republican. Fine, I'll concede that she probably is a Republican. Also, who cares? But yeah. I mean, right. And the point that she was obviously making here, comparing it to what is going on right now, I mean, are we not seeing that the the drive from the government that is like sending people against their neighbors? It's happening to her. She says something about masks and people, everyone's turning against her. I see it in my neighborhood. I see people mm-hmm. look at me like I'm a psycho when I walk my dogs without a mask, like that, like you know, nowhere near any other human beings. Uh, and people look at me like I'm an enemy, like I'm something wrong. There's something wrong with me. How many times ever since Hillary Clinton, really, since 2016, when she called Trump? Trump supporters deplorables. How many times over these years have referred to anybody remotely that was a Trump supporter uh, referred to as a deplorable, a Nazi, a white supremacist, uh, to the point that it extends so far as even if you're not a Trump supporter, but you're just seen as against the left or against Joe Biden, that then puts you in the in the same camp as Trump supporters, which then makes you obviously a racist and ironically a Nazi. Of course, they've been using yeah. they've been calling Trump supporters and people of this ilk Nazis for four years. Um, so the fact that there's outrage about comparing someone politically to Nazis over this, the, the irony is just too grand to even freaking handle. Um, but yeah, I mean that that this is what just struck me so much is that her comments. We're absolutely. There's nothing wrong in her comments. Like she's not even. In, she's she's correct. She's got a hundred percent correct. And I did a quick fact check on this of her whole statement. So were Jews beaten in the street in, in Nazi Germany by their neighbors? Hundred percent. Yes, they absolutely were. Uh, is history edited? Yes, of course it is. Like history is everything we read in history is filtered yeah. through whatever it's being filtered through. It depends on your history book. Uh, the history book in Germany is going to tell you a different story about the Holocaust than the history book in the United much, States. Much different story. Then yes. is it, and a different history book will uh, tell you in Germany, and Mexico is going to have a different story too. They're all going to have different stories because they're all telling different narratives. They're all telling different narratives. That's the thing. There's not one narrative. There's many narratives. But in our culture, there is a prevailing narrative, and that is the one we refer to as the cathedral, the egregore, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um so the, the, she hasn't said anything wrong, and, and, and she is correct that people are ignorant of what led to the rise of Hitler. They're ignorant. And to, like People seem to view um, Nazi Germany and Hitler as like this something that this random thing that happened, like Hitler just took power and took over Germany and, and, took, and, and the Nazis came in. That's not how it happened, and that's not how it could ever happen. That's not how totalitarianism could ever happen. Uh, it happens when the culture changes, when the people change, when the people begin to turn against each other, when propaganda turns the people against each other. And yeah. that is exactly, exactly what has been happening in this country. I mean, you cannot barely have a regular conversation or turn on sports anymore without it being political. And it is dividing people. It's so obvious it's dividing people. And people that are on the right or Trump supporters or Ben Shapiro or just even libertarians are now lumped into this same crew. It's really just if you're not on the left or you're not even if you're not on the left because it includes Bernie bros. It includes real progressives. It includes a lot of people I respect and disagree with vehemently. You know, it's, it's what I'm trying to say. It's not about yeah. politics. It's not about your political views at all, really at all. Because I, I would c- call people like Glenn Greenwald, uh, Matt Taibbi. I, I would say those are people that recognize the cathedral, even if they don't use that language or call it that. They recognize it. They speak out against it. I don't agree with their politics. I respect the hell out of them because they are awake. They don't, they don't get sucked into these narratives. Yeah, absolutely. Two, two of my favorite guys, Glenn yeah, Greenwald and, Tim Poole, and Matt Taibbi. I, I would put in there. 
But those people are all Nazis yeah. now. I don't know about. I don't know. I don't know if Glenn has been called a Nazi. Uh, Tim, Poole, I'm sure he absolutely. has. I mean, Tim, they call they were calling yeah. Bernie Sanders supporters brown shirts. Do you remember yeah, back exactly. then yeah, in the exactly. primary what, uh-huh. when they were comparing Bernie Bros to as brown shirts? As soon as Bernie got a little traction, he's right in that yeah. camp too. Anyone who does not fit with the approved program is a Nazi. That's just yep. the way it is. You'll probably notice how the which is so funny that, that that this is where the outrage is from, from her supposedly comparing people to Nazis, which she didn't even really do. She just compared the situation, which is a right. proper comparison. But meanwhile, the people that are happy that she got fired or think she should be fired or think what she said was horrible have spent four years openly comparing people to Nazis. and that Of is course. The, it's the hilarious. And, and you'll notice how the, the verbiage has escalated, right? A number of years ago, like back in Obama was running, right? Everybody who didn't support Obama was a racist, right? Because you didn't support the first black president. How could you do that? You must be a racist if you're not going to vote for the first black president. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then – That's the only reason you would cast a vote based on race anyway, right? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, when, when, Which means all voting is racist, I guess. I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, I mean not – not really pro-voting, you know, not especially pro-democracy. We're not a democracy-friendly podcast, so no. I'm happy to, to, to make that argument if that's what's yes. going to convince somebody. Same here. Uh, anyway, but you'll notice that when the Trump-Hillary thing started coming about, that they were called deplorables, and then the idea of white supremacy got filtered in there, that, and along yeah. with that comes Nazis. The verbiage and the level of ad hominem has been escalating over the years. And you'll notice that along with the escalation of the ad hominem attacks, the physical attacks have increased. During Obama's runs, you know, against McCain and against um, Romney, we didn't have physical altercations and violence in the streets the way that we have had over the last four years. And I think it's really due to an escalation of the way that people are referred to and treated as they're creating not you're literally creating nazis on the right right yeah. right oh, yeah. if you're calling somebody a nazi or a white supremacist or some or a terrible person eventually they're going to get pissed off and do something that causes them to be deserving of that mm-hmm. label and eventually and, they start to ironically and sarcastically say all right fuck you i'm a nazi and then they carry a nazi thing they say all right fine yeah. if you're gonna call me that anyway fine all right i'm a nazi screw it you know that's exactly that's the kind so of in a culture do. where that was totally not acceptable we've seen a rise in actual racism i've encountered more real racism than i ever have in the last four years than i did in my entire life growing up it's crazy you know going going through school and going through college i encountered nothing but over the last you know four years i've encountered several people i even know some of them uh that would just be happy labeling themselves of saying, yeah, I'm racist. Because if you call somebody racist or white supremacist long enough, pretty soon they become calloused and start saying, you know what, screw it. You're going to call me that no matter what I do. I'm just going to do it because fuck you. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, I mean, the word racism has become so so meaningless. Too. Yeah. When, when it's tossed around so flippantly, like what racism actually is, that doesn't even have any meaning anymore. It doesn't have any, have any impact. And to some extent, to some deep extent, I didn't expect to get into race issues today, but this is the fun of not having a plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, so, to so, and to some degree, I have a very, very different views on, on I have like comp- uh, competing views on race and racism. I mean, to some extent, I kind of agree with like people like Thaddeus Russell that say, you know, race is a complete construct. It's just something that m- humans created yeah. uh, to sort of, you know, 
divide each other and put each other in categories. At the same time, like there is a uh, like a biological component to not necessarily race the way we define race, but there's a biological component to to wanting to there's there's a something in in us that is that comes from times it comes from really like like very caveman-y times you might say when it literally encountering someone from another culture or another race you might call it like that looks very different is very different could literally be deadly and kill you because a uh people will kill each other for food and, and resources b like if you're encountering a society you never encountered before you're going to get germs and viruses from them and people and sometimes you wipe out whole societies that way so there's a innate fear that is inside all of us in some way that's very subconscious that is not anyone's fault that is actually afraid of people that look very different than us it's Absolutely. something that we Few actually things have to... are more powerful than the fear of the unknown and right. if somebody looks different mm-hmm. than you talks different yeah. than you or heaven forbid, believe something different than you, then Mm. that unknown is the most terrifying thing imaginable to a lot of people. And while I personally believe that humans share common ancestry, it is interesting to note that over time, we've developed a very, what is in a biological sense, a very healthy fear of things that are unknown because of the potential risk associated with them. I mean, we as a species wouldn't last very long if we stepped into things without at least considering a little bit what the consequences would be sure i mean fear can be useful now i don't think it's it's i think it's something in when it comes to like modern day racism it's something that we should it's better for us to sort of uh not suppress but understand the innate or the innate racism that might be in all of us that has a fear of the unknown fear of this or that because you know someone looking different to us isn't really a threat to us on its surface uh whereas it might have been like thousands of years ago uh but like for example fear can be useful like if a bengal tiger walks into my room like i should be afraid and i should run <laughs> like that. yeah you probably so, should you know, be maybe we should have fear sometimes and that yeah. that is where like a lot of like latent racism comes from comes from actual fear of actual different cultures and different societies that could actually end up at wiping out your culture many many thousands tens of thousands of years ago uh so i think that's innately in all of us in some way but at the same time i kind of think race is a construct so i don't know i don't know what i actually think about race yeah um I, in a lot of ways i think it's a construct but i think that it's a construct that's been passed down through cultures that's the way mm-hmm. i would describe it I don't, I don't, think, I don't even know how much of a biological component it is, but I do. I am convinced that it is very much a, a, a social construct because you compare human DNA and mm-hmm. the variability between human DNA is, is percentiles of percentiles. And when we talk about skin color, it's an even less of a percentile. Right. Um, it's, it's hardly relevant. I mean, yeah, our it, bodies it's, basically it's function relevant. the same way. Uh, maybe some people are more prone to like sickle cell anemia or some other diseases or what have you. For the most part, we're all built nearly 100% the same. Yeah, if you're like me, you get sunburned a lot easier. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're almost exactly the same than you and me. Cause I, yeah, I'm the same yeah we've, got the, we've got the same I, hair almost. I, yeah, you're just a little I, straighter than mine. I have two phases with my skin, uh, pale or burnt. This yeah, is, this exactly. Is what I have. <laughs> that's, that's the Swedish heritage in my mind, no, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get into... Let's get back into Star Wars here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From Star Wars to, to racism. We've you know, completely it, it, derailed minutes or less. off of Star Wars. And um, while I'm here, I want to go back to that Gina Carano thing. And I want to draw an interesting parallel in Star Wars and why it's fascinating that they've gone with this whole racism thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you trace back to george lucas's original work you see very interesting comparisons to fascistic regimes right the empire is i mean the emperor is meant to be a stand-in for hitler 
I mean, they call the stormtroopers stormtroopers for no reason. Yes, yes, I know. It's a completely different war. But it's not a coincidence that the stormtroopers in Star Wars are called stormtroopers and that German troopers, even if it was in World War One, were called stormtroopers. Not a coincidence. Like, obviously done purposely. Yeah, this is, it just adds to the irony of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if for those who are familiar with Star Wars Legends and the expanded universe content, you'll know that it was the evil empire. We're going that deep nerd now, friends. Yeah, we're we're getting really deep into the nerd territory now. Um, I'm very steeped in Star Wars lore, man. I'll tell you, I love it. The empire was legitimately racist. They wouldn't allow alien species to serve in the military and things like that. And they did what Gina Carano was describing: was they made their neighbors hate each other and they would put mm-hmm. each other down and arrive in a scenario similar to the Nazi Germany scenario that we're talking about or just any number of dictatorial regimes that range throughout the the last century where there would be certain groups of people that were marginalized and put down in favor of another group of people. Pretty much everything about the empire is a direct correlation to the Nazis and intentional and obvious and like I mean okay but that's fiction and this is real life so maybe that's the difference but it it does add to the grand irony of the whole thing that this entire thing that she's most famous for now uh, she was more famous for MMA but she's way more famous because of the Mandalorian yeah. uh, is based on a giant analogy to Nazis <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy I can't even handle it it's kind of interesting how people just sort of miss the message behind the whole Star Wars thing. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in Star Wars, but this is for a different show that I'll do at, at some other point. But Star Wars is, it's it's a critique of powerful government is really mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune, was a rebel who struggled against an empire that used propaganda and used overwhelming force to push people in a certain direction and force them to fall in line. And I have certainly been on record of calling our own state a evil regime that has done all of those things that I have stated. Mm-hmm. Do I think that they're not quite as bad as the Empire? Well, after this last year, I don't know. Maybe they are. Uh, I don't. What we saw in this last year was something I don't think I would ever have seen in America, at least not for another 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. But... It's the Alex Jones fantasy future that that we didn't realize was was so close to happening. Yeah, well, I was making jokes earlier. Are you familiar with the game uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? Uh, not outside of knowing it exists. That's, okay. that's as far as it well, goes. I'm not a gamer. I, we were, it was delayed for a long time, and um, I at one point was making a joke that was that we've turned into a cyberpunk dystopia before the uh, cyberpunk game actually <laughs> came out. Yeah, uh, you know. Because cyberpunk is a world, we're getting to other nerddom here, where big corporations have become the state and dictate the way people's lives live. And, you know... Oh, that's not even an analogy. That's just reporting the... That's reporting uh, yeah, the exactly. of, of we're of just affairs. reporting the news at that point. Right. Yeah, we're the real wild. news reporters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It's it's wild. Mark, I don't... I don't some days I wake up and, and I wonder, what what is life even like anymore? I've been contemplating something these last a couple days, so I'm going to ask the question to you on air, quote-unquote, on your podcast and yeah. see what you think. I, I've really been considering, should I write? I've really been thinking about writing a letter. Write a letter. Like what is it? What year is this? Uh, writing an email to the two hosts of this podcast who I really do like as people. I really, I've always thought they're good people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that comes through in so many ways. I've met them in person. 
it's really just the last year of the COVID stuff that's rubbed me the yeah. wrong way. And I'll Which, pause but you even right that, here to I say that yeah. most people who are in favor of lockdowns and who are in favor of the Gina Carano firing and, and who do go along with the narrative, most of these people are what we would consider to be decent people. Yeah. And that is why it's such a good analogy to Nazi Germany, because most of those people were quote unquote decent people too, and didn't Absolutely. think they were doing anything wrong either. They thought they were doing the right things, the things they had to do, yeah. the things they were told to do. Absolutely, that's the exact point. But yeah, I, I've been thinking like I, I go back and forth on this. Like I, part of me really wants to just write to them, send them this column, and say, guys, I just want to reach out to you because I've I've followed your work for years. I'm a patron of yours for years. I, I help pay your salary. Uh, I'm continuing to do that despite my major disagreement with what I heard on your show. But I just want you to see a different perspective. I want you to know where I'm coming from. I send all of this with love, respect, and gratitude for everything you've done. Yeah, and, and in fact, I don't need to ask you the question. I'm going to write it because I just wrote it live, and I think it sounds pretty good. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out to them and just and what are they going to do? Recheck my money? I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to unsubscribe. I'm not going to withdraw my support. I just want to ask them to consider this other perspective and consider that the way they were speaking about this was not necessarily the only perspective. It's actually, I'm not even, I don't even have a problem if they find the things offensive. What I find, what I, what I really bothers me the most about the whole thing is not that they didn't like the, the comments. It's not that she got fired. It's not that they think that she should get fired. It's that it was reported as news and an obvious fact that what she said was horrible and offensive and they never let the, the viewers have a chance to. Yeah, to... it's reported as offensive without letting the viewers know. Yeah, I know guess the viewers can go look said. it up themselves, but come on, that's not, that's disingenuous. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to do it. You good. inspired me. Good for you, Mark. Do it. All right. Well, I think that gets us to a pretty good place here. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and let you plug. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I have so the people listening to my podcast probably already know all about Lions of Liberty, but I'll, I'll let you give your plugs here just in case on the off chance nobody's heard of the very famous Lions of Liberty podcast. Been I mean, around possible. longer than Tom Woods will have. You know. <laughs> yes, that is actually true. About a month longer than Tom yeah. Woods. Uh, I was in the process of planning the the number one libertarian podcast that was going to take over the world. And then right after I launched, Tom Woods, this guy, launches the podcast five days a week. Unbelievable. Uh, so we stole a little bit of the thunder, but we have still done pretty damn well over these last seven and a half years now. So I just dropped the 500th episode of my podcast, Lions of Liberty Podcast. I shouldn't call it my podcast because while it did start as mine, uh, I have incorporated many of my friends, my fellow co-founders of the Lions of Liberty organization overall because we actually had a website, Lions of Liberty, a couple years before the podcast. Podcast. Uh, but John Oderbent and Brian McWilliams also have their own shows all on the Lions of Liberty feed. So uh, we call ourselves the greatest libertarian variety show on earth. Although, um, not to get into too much of a side rant, I'm trying to shut the libertarian label to the side a little bit. Not that I don't hold the beliefs, I just think all labels really they hinder us more than help us yeah, so i'm trying I, I tend to yeah. agree and obviously we're called lions of liberty so there's a label there and we have a lot of brand equity it would be hard to shift what the brand is but i have i've definitely been shifting the focus of my interviews and the way i approach subjects that that i'm talking about uh for sure that's been a big shift in focus for the past year or so i'm trying to do things that help people to uh empower themselves to actually not just i'd say the first five or six years for my interviews of lions of liberty i do the flagship show that runs every monday uh i've been really strictly almost entirely about the libertarian philosophy you know, doing deep dives on how people became libertarians. I find that all interesting. It's great. But I did it for six and a half, seven years, and I think I'm, I'm good there. Like you can, There's a huge back catalog, and if you want to hear these stories. But now what I'm more passionate about focusing on is helping people find ways to empower themselves and find more actual liberty in their own lives. I'm done with theoretical liberty. It's out there. There's enough. There's been enough written about it, enough uh, podcasted about it. Uh, Tom Woods is doing amazing work. Go listen to his show, too. 
I don't think that's where I need to focus anymore. Yeah. Uh, I really want to talk to people about ways to expand the way you think, expand the, what you do in life. Expand. I want to get into subjects that I never even scratched the surface of. I mean, one of the, I think the best episodes I did last year was where myself and Pete Quinones spent 30 minutes talking about meditation and, and I love that episode, by the way. Me too. I it's listened to that, and it was fantastic. It was so fascinating. You know an episode's good, and I'm not an egomaniac. I don't like to listen to my, myself talk that much sometimes. But uh, I've listened to that episode with Pete like three times because I, I, I loved it that much. And when I, I love an episode that much, that's, that's the kind of episode I want to turn out every week. I want to always have an episode that I want to hear a million times. And I think I've heard – I've done a lot more episodes like that in the last year, which is where you know I'm the most enthusiastic I've ever been about Lions yeah. and Liberty. So I hope that enthusiasm you know, comes across to the audience. And uh, But, yeah, you can find us everywhere you find things, at Lions Liberty on Twitter or on Instagram. You guys know how the internet works. Lions Liberty, everywhere you go, lionsliberty.com. Uh, but, yeah, it's myself on Mondays. On Wednesdays, we have Brian McWilliams. Uh, he's a comedian. He's hilarious. He's ridiculous. He's over the top. He likes to curse, and he gives his uh, really hot takes on current events uh, every Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land. And John Odermatt, who did Yeoman's work exposing the um, flaws in our criminal justice system for I think about four years on his show, Felony Friday. Mm-hmm. We have now rebranded. That show is now called Finding Freedom, and it's awesome. It's still going to feature a lot of uh, stories of people getting through the criminal justice system, a lot of people who were imprisoned unjustly. I mean, my, my favorite episodes that he does are ones where you hear about someone who's been imprisoned for something so trivial. I mean, like like a bag of weed or something, and they've been in jail for 20 years. You'd think this would devastate someone, but the people he interviews, they come out of this thing, and they start businesses. They become so successful, and it's just yeah. incredible to hear the stories that of these people. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine I, one night in prison. I'd, I'd be done. Like, there's no way. These guys spent decades in prison and they come out like better people. And that's just amazing. And that is, and these are, these are exceptions to the rule. Most people don't come out of prison better people. But he's found a lot of people that have. And it's really inspiring. But he's expanding that a little bit to, uh, you know, get outside of just solely focusing on the criminal justice system. Also trying to, you know, focus on people that are achieving more liberty financially. Um, that's, I think, something we're all trying to do. Try, trying to find more unique ways to help people find more liberty, not just philosophically in their mind, but in their actual lives that they're living. That is where yeah. I want Lions Liberty to help people focus. I want everyone to be a lion of liberty in their own lives. Lions are leaders. Lions roar loudly. That's how I want people to be seen by their friends, by their family, by their community. I want to give people the tools, the tools to do that. That's what we do on Lions of Liberty. Um, and uh, I guess I will also mention my other podcast, the Second Print Comics Podcast. That is where myself and fellow libertarian Ramza Martinez talk about non-libertarian thing comic books yeah uh, i we, we, i think that my listeners since i I'm marketing toward a pretty nerdy crowd here i hope so that's good i need nerds i need more nerds <laughs> uh that could apply to libertarians broadly but okay. yeah go you guys go check that one out i'm sure you'll you'll love it get up to date on comic books especially in yeah. a world where comic book movies have become so huge mm. it's interesting to learn the source material about yeah. where it comes from Um, I myself didn't really get into comics until after the comic book movies. I was interested in other aspects of nerddom. But boy, it's it's really interesting to get into some There's of the so stories much. told by some of There's these guys. There's so it's much great. history, so much richness, so much, so many great stories out there. And I took like probably eight years off reading comics at one point. You know, when I got into uh, early adulthood, I guess I put some of that kid stuff behind. So I thought, and then I came roaring back in my 30s because I basically spent about 10 years only absorbing libertarian like literature and books, and like I I was that's all I did. Like I didn't do anything else. And then yeah. at some point, I was like, I have to do something else, or I'm going to lose my mind. So I got back into comic books, got back into pro wrestling got back into star wars got back into all the nerdy stuff that lets me escape but what's funny is like 
if, if you don't know Remzo, who Remzo and I are, you probably listen to the show innocuously and don't think anything of it and just think it's, you know, two nerds talking about comic books. If you're one of our fans from our libertarian, uh, you know, kind of uh, our libertarian projects, you're going to hear things in there and you're going to see our libertarian is coming through. Yeah, Because you're going to, you're going to, you know, you got, you know, the signals, you're going to hear the keywords, you're going to hear, you're going to know who we are. And uh, there so is, I think if there's, there's anything I think we need more of in our movement, it is people doing exactly what you're doing, exactly what I'm trying to do here on this show. It's talking about things that are going on in the culture, not the political things, not the riots on Capitol Hill, not Antifa out in the streets, not whatever it is Joe Biden's doing or Trump is doing. It's about what's what book was was released, what movies has come out that people are talking about. Why did Disney decide not to renew Gina Carano's contract? Those are the types of things that I think libertarians need to have a voice on because while I think libertarians in general and people who not even just the libertarians, but liberty minded people in general, you know, the people on the bottom half of the uh, quadrated political spectrum who distrust the state, we need to have a voice in the culture. We need to make comments about what's going on because it is. It is a culture that is controlled by the cathedral. We, we reference back to that. There, the egregore has control of the narrative, and it pushes it, and it has pervaded it in everything from Star Wars to CNN. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to create our own movement out there. And who knows? Perhaps someday it, too, will take on a will of its own and become a memetic that causes liberty to spread across the globe. And, that's it. You we know, need the that's Liberty what we Aggregor. want to go for. We need the Liberty Aggregor. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. And with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on, Mark. I loved our conversation. Very happy to have you. And, of course, you would be welcome back anytime. And with that, we'll sign off. Kick ass, man. Well, I enjoyed the interview. I had a blast. Appreciate it.